Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We're at the Christian Products Expo in Lexington. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing okay, Matt, how are you? We're eight interviews in and I'm encouraged. We've got so much good content. The challenge is gonna be promoting this stuff in a way that gets it out to not only our audience, but to the audiences of the people we've interviewed because yeah. these interviews are full of great content. Yeah, yep, and it's, it- the rapid fire you mentioned you're drinking from fire hose before and they and we do we have a lot of them coming out all at once so um listeners i encourage you don't be intimidated by the fact that there's 10 of them coming or 18 of them coming out all within a couple days um take your time and listen to them digest them because they're all uh just full of really really great content this interview that you're going to hear is dr michelle bankson she is a neuropsychologist petite little thing we are kind of talking over the top of my thing and around the side of hers <laughs> and uh but i'll tell you what that was a that was a great conversation this woman is solid and here's one of my concerns when we get into this neuropsychology stuff and psychologists and therapists i, I just am nauseated by the non-biblical thinking in these disciplines there are very few therapists psychologists types who are actually working from the Bible versus slapping Jesus onto worldly philosophies and treatments. Sure. And and Michelle Bankson explodes that kind of prejudice that I had. That's awesome. And I'm so glad because I went into this going, man, if this gal isn't solid, we're going to have to kindly figure a way to pull the plug on this. <laughs> and she is rock solid. Yeah. And so I am happy to report to our audience and thankful to you, Michelle. I know you'll be listening for uh, just how thoroughly biblical and gospel centered this interview is. And I pray that the Lord will raise up more people like you in this arena because you're desperately needed. And, um, and it was after you did this, uh, you mentioned um, that the conversation sort of spurred uh, discussion between the two of you that, that uh, maybe doing a mental health series or a separate podcast at some point uh, from a Christian perspective. That's how good and, and solid and filled with, with uh, good content this was, um, that it may spur a, an offshoot at some point uh, for more content. Yeah, this, we need to think point. and pray about that. But this is a... Michelle basically said, hey, if you ever want to start a podcast or do another podcast that focuses on mental health issues, let me know. Yeah. It's like, that's intriguing. You know, in fact, if any of our listeners have any ideas about that, would you reach out to us at info at christiancrusaders.com because... um, Dot org. Oh, dot org. Sorry. (laughs) Info at christiancrusaders.org. You think something like that would be helpful? Um, Whether it's a weekly thing or a weekly 30 minutes or a daily five minutes i don't know 
from just dealing with mental health, you know, in a shortage of therapists that are biblical and gospel oriented, maybe a podcast format would at least help get that word out. Yeah. And, and, and help people who otherwise aren't finding help from biblical therapists. Yeah. Anyway, hey, Michelle, thanks. And to our audience, enjoy this interview and thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody, Matt Reister here with the CC Podcast Conversations. I am at the Christian Products Expo in Lexington, Kentucky, just a few feet from Rupp Arena. Are you a basketball fan, college basketball? This is like holy ground in terms of college basketball. Now, I'm not a fan, believe me. Uh, it's Iowa Hawkeyes all the way, and we don't like, um, well, we're not here to talk about <laughs> basketball. So uh, I'm with Michelle Bankson, and she has written a book called Today is Going to Be a Good Day. And Michelle, um, we're obviously at a Christian Products Expo talking about books with a lot of authors. Um, but I don't primarily want to promote books. I want to hear the stories behind them, of the people behind them. And so that's why you're here. And we will talk about your book. But uh, you're a neuropsychologist. You've written, you got your fifth book coming out yep. soon, yep. which is different than this one we're yes. talking about today. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what that one's going to be called or not yet? Yeah, the, the fifth book is going to be called The Hem of His Garment, Reaching Out to God When Pain Overwhelms. Wow. Sounds heavy. It, it and it'll heavy. be helpful for some people. It will because we're not going to just address physical pain. We're going to talk emotional pain and spiritual pain and relational pain, financial pain, grief, secondary pain inflicted by others. Because after the last couple of years, oh, everybody's yeah. got a pain point. Yeah, great. Well, that's great. We'll look for that next year, maybe. Yep. Is this, you sound like you've been to CPE before. I've not been to CPE before, but I've been to NRB. Okay. Yeah, we were at NRB in March. Were you there in Nashville? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next year's Orlando. So my, my family's lobbying me to take us. Uh, yeah, we absolutely. all want to go to Orlando. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, tell me, first of all, how did you come to faith in the Lord? And then how did you come to be a writer? I grew up in the church. We were church planters. And so we were the ones who opened the doors and put out the seats and put up the sound equipment and tore it down. So we were there every time the doors were open. And so I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian home where my parents brought me to know the Lord. But I have to tell you, even though I accepted Jesus as my savior when I was seven, it really wasn't until I was about 40 when I really made him Lord. Mm. I just... So we have a sister podcast to this one called the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions. And we're doing a Bible overview. We started in Genesis 1 on May 1st, 2020. And we're like 730 some episodes into it. We're in the middle of Luke right now. And we just finished a text, Luke 14, 25 through 33. We did four devotions on that text. And it is the cost of discipleship where Jesus lays out three criteria and one of them is to love everybody or lo- love Jesus more than everyone else. The other one is to bear your cross and follow him. And the third criteria of discipleship, anyone who wants to be his disciple has to renounce all that he has. And this is about lordship. And so what we talked about was in the Bible, I don't know that there's a category of people who only trust Jesus as savior, but don't submit to him as Lord. That's one and the same in scripture. Right. 
And so what you just said, and which is so many people's experience, including my own, that you come to this saving faith, you realize that Jesus died for my sins, and I get all these benefits from trusting Christ as my Savior, but we don't really talk a whole lot about the cost of surrendering to Christ as Lord. And so there is this bifurcated salvation that happens. And, and honestly, I don't want to weigh into the decision of when are you really saved. Exactly. But, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you mention that, that just reminds me of this devotion. We just finished those, those four devotions on Friday. So that's fresh on my mind. So talk more about that. Uh, for people who don't know what you're, t- what do you mean? I was saved, but I didn't follow Christ as Lord. Share that story with us. I, I came to the knowledge that that there was this man Jesus, and he loved me so much that he died to pay for my sins. That came early, but it was really, honestly, when I was growing up, my father died when I was very young. And I listened to a lie of the enemy that said, okay, you're gonna have to jump in and do more to help support the family. And so I took on this real independent mindset. I can do it, I've gotta do it, it's my role. And when my husband was diagnosed with cancer, I jumped in again because he couldn't work. So I ended up working at my private practice 100 hours a week, seeing patients. I would be there until midnight, I'd come home, I'd take a quick shower, I'd take a nap for about an hour, and I'd be back at the office by three or four in the morning for months on end until I became so physically ill, Matt, I couldn't do anything. Mm. And I ended up being put on medically induced bed rest for five months. Wow. I was kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition. I dwindled down from 113 pounds down to a skeletal 74, which is 30 pounds lighter than I sit before you today. Jeez. And honestly, the longer I remained physically ill, then I plummeted into the valley of depression. Mm. And I remember crying out to God and just saying, God, if this is going to be my life, I'm not sure I want to keep on living. Yeah. And over those five months, God was so good to speak into my heart. And it was during that time when I was so physically ill, I was struggling with depression. And I felt like he just made it so crystal clear. I never called you to work those hours. I never asked Mm. you to be your own provider. Mm. You decided to do that. Wow. And I'm a gentleman, so I'm going to let you do it. And it really, it it was such an eye-opener to me that if I never went back to private practice, never saw another patient, never wrote a book, he would not love me any less. But I had the choice, and I could go back to private practice and work 100 hours a week, but he wasn't going to love me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's when he became Lord, because... As he healed me emotionally and physically, Mm. I wanted to go back to work to serve him. Mm -hmm. Not because I felt I had to work harder to make him love me. Mm. That's a big corner to turn. It was such an eye-opener that it changed the rest of my life. That's the gospel, right? It is the gospel. It is. And he's such a gentleman. Mm. You know, he didn't berate me for it, mm-hmm. but it was just such a loving impression that he gave me that I thought, wow, here I've been trying, I've been striving, thinking if I work harder, if I see more patients, if I help more people, God will love me more. Yeah. I already have that. 
Yeah. You already have that. You have all the love you can ever get. But once I realized I had that love, yeah. then I wanted him to be Lord. I wanted to serve him because I'm so grateful yes. for his love, not because I'm trying to earn it. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of people that are chasing that rabbit and, you know, of, of earning. And, and you wonder, and there, a lot of them are in our churches. And so you wonder, like, do you actually know the gospel? Right. Do you right. really trust Jesus? Right? Right. Wow, that's powerful. Um, Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. Have you, do you know that? I do. He's got a great line in there that says, you know, he kind of flips that saying of, don't just stand there, do something. And he flips it and says, don't just do something, stand there. And his whole thing is, wait to see where the Lord is at work and then join him. Yes. Kind of stop striving and join the Lord in what he's already doing. I mean, how much time and energy gets wasted by well-intended people who call themselves Christians trying to gin up impact rather than just join what the Lord's got set out for them? And so often their mental health suffers, their physical health suffers, their relationships suffer. Their longevity, I believe, also suffers. Mm -hmm. God... God gave us rest as a gift, Mm -hmm. but we're so busy striving that it's too easy in this culture to feel guilty if we rest, Yeah, if we abide. Mm -hmm. I I am not, I don't suffer from that guilt because I can rest (laughs) with the best of them. Praise the Lord. (laughs) It's funny. My wife is uh, very, I mean, she, and she's got this all square. She knows the Lord. She understands the gospel, but she's just moving all the time. Do, 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 do. You know, it's just like, babe, like give yourself a break. You can't do it. It's just like, whatever, man. I don't, I don't have that problem. My, my problem is on the other end of the spectrum. Like, hey, get up. Let's be productive today. That's good. So um, neuropsychologist, how did that happen? I wanted to go into psychology because I wanted to help people. And I really wanted to help heal hurts. You talking back in college? Yeah, yeah. And so I started graduate school going into clinical psychology. But once I got there, I realized I'm a very practical-minded person. I'm very logical. And I, working in the community mental health center for a while there, I had patients come in and by and large, I knew what was wrong. I knew what would help them. I knew what they needed to do to get where they wanted to go. But they really just wanted to come in and complain and have a best friend. Mm. And that's not my personality. Mm-hmm. I, I want to help you make change mm-hmm. so that then you can help someone else make change. And neuropsychology is very analytical. It's very solution-focused. And once I started taking courses Interesting. In how the brain worked, I was like, that's where I'm supposed to be neuropsychology versus what other kinds of psychology that aren't necessarily that? Um, Clinical psychology is what most people think of when you go to a psychologist for counseling. But there's also school psychology, Mm -hmm. help our students. There's industrial organizational psychology. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's sports medicine psychology. But neuropsychology is kind of a marriage between psychology, psychiatry, and neurology. Mm -hmm. So I would have patients come in 
with a variety of situations that I would end up diagnosing. It could be post-concussion syndrome or after someone had a stroke or if there was a question of is, is someone suffering from dementia or depression. Mm -hmm. And we would assess, we evaluate them through a series of tasks. It usually takes all day, but it gives us a real good understanding of where are the areas of inefficiency so we can figure out what can we do to try to get them back to optimal brain functioning mm -hmm. to the degree that they're able to. Mm -hmm. So when I hear psychology, and I was saying this to you before we hit record, it's like I'm glad to hear there's a Christian psychologist. I just think of all the garbage that gets thrown out in the name of psychology, even going back to when I was in high school, and the things we learned about Carl Jung and Abraham Maslow and all this crazy stuff that you just kind of, if I was a Christian kid back then, but you're just basically accepting this as fact and this is just the way it is. And then at some point along the line, you know, I learned enough about a biblical worldview and different worldviews like, wait a minute, people are not basically good. That is totally at odds with the Bible. And the entire psychological framework is basically based on that. Yeah. And so, um, like, what, what's the status of psychology and Christians, and how do you operate in that world and keep your sanity and not just start throwing stuff at people all the time? The biggest challenge in mental health is because we are dealing with people's mind and emotions, is that, by and large, we're not allowed to bring up faith issues unless our clients bring it up first. But if they'll bring it up, I am perfectly willing to go there because that's where we make the biggest difference. So for all the thousands of patients that I'd seen over the years, if we didn't address the spiritual route, yeah. I guarantee they came back relapsed later mm -hmm. because we were not addressing the core issue. Yes. We were putting Band-Aids on it. And once I realized what was going on, I mean, I had to repent mm. because you can't separate God mm -hmm. from our mind, will, and emotions. Mm -hmm. So that it was me getting sick and the Lord really showing me, as I told you, I was so sick and all the alphabet soup after my name didn't protect me mm. from becoming depressed. Mm. Interesting. And I remember laying there thinking, Lord, I, I'm doing everything I would normally suggest to my patients to do. And it's helping, but it's not taking the depression away. Mm -hmm. And I've never really heard the audible voice of God, but it was like this impression, this knowing mm -hmm. in my heart. And it was as if, as if God was saying, Michelle, if you're not willing to address the spiritual roots of disease, it's like you are putting a Band-Aid on an infection and hoping it gets well. Wow. And the light bulb just went off like... I hadn't even considered because we were not trained in that in school, right? right? I went to school for 12 years, right? Four, four additional years of fellowship and we were not trained. And so that really began me diving in and saying, okay, Lord, you're going to have to be my instructor. You're going to have to teach me so that I can help your people the right way. We need um, Christian psychologists, Christian therapists in a bad, bad way. I mean, there's a shortage of these people. And even ones who call themselves Christian but don't operate from a biblical worldview, there's a lot of that. There's so much of that. That's why when people will say, can you make a recommendation to me for a therapist? They, I might know that they're a Christian, but I don't know that they're using scripture and the spiritual roots of disease in their treatment. Right. So 
people often think, well, if I'm going to a Christian counselor. Right. But they're not all created equally. Like, I cannot tell you of another neuropsychologist that practices the way I ended up practicing yeah. the last decade because I, I've not met another one. Right. And so, man, I one of my prayers is that, and I'm not wired to be that type of person. I don't know if any of my kids are, but that the Lord would raise up because we need people are dealing with a lot of problems yeah. and we need Christians who have a solid grasp of the gospel, a solid view of scripture to be able to, like you said, apply those things yes. in their treatment. Yes. And, uh, I don't know, you know, another thing that I see, and this is just kind of, I've always been a little nervous about therapists and psychologists because it's like, we get all kinds of sideways going down these. I'm in the field and I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I see a lot of people who are well-intended who go into this, who actually need a therapist. Oh yeah. But like, it's like, you know, I'm going in to help people, but really I'm trying to get myself fixed from all my baggage. And it's like, those are the last people I want to go see or recommend anyone to go see. There is a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I sure so, do. So what's your advice to people listening or to me or to anyone about how do you search out uh, help if you need help, but you want it from a biblical worldview? One of the first places I would suggest you go is to your leadership at your church, to the pastor. Because by and large, a lot of church leaders know others in the community and can make some suggestions. But even then, they're not sitting in the therapy sessions, so they don't know if you know we're using scripture to address depression or anxiety right. or, or whatnot. And then it's up to you, once you make an appointment, interview that therapist. Ask them, how do they approach their treatment? How do they use the word of God? Mm -hmm. how, what can I expect for investing in therapy with you? Mm -hmm. And a good therapist will not take offense to that. Mm -hmm. They will be very open because not every therapist is going to be the right for it, fit for every patient. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so important to start with those that we know and trust who do have a good biblical foundation yeah. to see if they can make recommendations. Yeah. Because I, I could give you a list of agencies and organizations, but I can't vouch for everybody that totally. they have. Totally. It's, you said people who we trust who do have a good biblical foundation. You live in down in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the edge of the Bible yep. Belt. We're up in Iowa. You know about Michigan. Oh, you said yeah. you're from there. I'm from Michigan originally. There's a bunch of pastors who don't believe the Bible. I know. Do you know what I mean? So, yes. so don't just ask any pastor. That's right. <laughs> Make sure you That's ask right. a pastor that believes in the Bible yeah. and the, in the gospel as a good starting point. Well, and pray about it because I, I really do truly believe that when we are seeking for answers, if yeah. we're going to God, the Holy Spirit will help guide us and direct us. Yeah. You know, we can't leave him out of that equation. I'm confident. That yeah. if, if that's your heart's desire for healing, God has healing. Healing is his children's bread. He wants that for you. Totally. But it may look different than what your neighbor that's right. underwent. Yeah. Tell us about your family a little bit. Oh, I've been married for 34 years to a great husband who's a three-time cancer survivor. Wow. And I've got two great boys. I've got a 23-year-old pilot 
and I've got a 19-year-old who's attending Liberty University. Like a commercial pilot yeah. or a, yeah. for who? Republic Airlines. Okay, sweet. Yeah. yeah. And then you got a son who's at Liberty. A, yeah, he's 19 years old. He just finished up a summer internship in Washington, D.C. He wants to be a conservative senator one day and wow. impact policy based on our beliefs. Big Tim Scott fan? Yeah. Oh, he, that's who he interned with this <laughs> Is that summer. right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good, good. So, um... I know you're here talking about one book in particular, but you said you've got a fifth one coming out. Talk, talk about the four that you've written so far. Just kind of give yeah. us a brief overview. The very first one was Hope Prevails, Insights from a Doctor's Personal Journey Through Depression. Mm. I was contracted to write that book before I got sick, before I went in the valley of depression. So why, why did they ask you to write it? I'm a doctor. I know how to treat depression. Holy cow. But... God totally changed that book because by me getting sick and by me going into the valley of depression, I mean, I have a long family history of depression, but by me going through it and then the Lord showing me, you've got to address the spiritual roots. Wow. I really, I mean, the Lord helped write that book and it is a much different book than it would have been. It's so much better. Readers now, when they read it, constantly reviews say, you can tell that she's been there. She gets me. Mm. And I wouldn't have had I not gone through that. That's amazing. And then readers wrote to me and said, when are you going to write a Bible study? I said, I don't know. I don't write Bible studies. I'm not Beth Moore. I'm not Patricia Hillshire. I don't write Bible studies. <laughs> but they kept writing, and the Lord was like, you may not write Bible studies. But I do. But I'll write the best Bible studies. <laughs> so I said, yes, sir. And so the Hope Revealed Bible study came out. And then readers wrote to me and said, when are you going to write a book on anxiety? I mm. said, oh, no. I don't want to write another heavy hitter two books on depression, but it, it, I had to say yes right away because it was the next logical book because so many individuals who struggle with depression also struggle with anxiety. Was that your story? Yeah. 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 So I wrote Breaking Anxiety's Grip, How to Reclaim the Peace God Promises, wow. which came out about, oh, three months before a global pandemic when anxiety soared. All time high. Yeah. Did the book sales soar? It did really well. Wow. Yeah, because people were looking for answers and I have a podcast and so I spent a good chunk of time for about six weeks talking about depression and anxiety and how can we recognize it in our children and what do we need to be aware of because our mm. kids are struggling now with not mm. being able to go back to school and so God's timing was just so perfect. I mean, I could not have planned it better. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell me about your podcast. It's called Your Hope-Filled Perspective. We've been on the air for about three years. It was uh, number two for podcast magazines, Moms in Podcasting. Awesome. So we've hit number two twice and number nine once. And it's a podcast that really is geared towards looking at the different trials that we experience in this life but approaching them from a biblically-based, hope-filled perspective mm -hmm. I often interview guests, not always, but I often interview guests after they've come through something mm -hmm. and ask them to share the hope that they found so that the listeners who are going through that now mm -hmm. have hope to cling to. My wife doesn't listen to a ton of podcasts, but one that she does is a gal named Heidi St. John. Oh, yeah. Do you know her? I do, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, if you don't, you should. Yeah. So, uh, She's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, so this last book, tell us about that. This next book that's coming out, I just turned it in, just turned in the first round of edits, but that's called The Hem of His Garment. Yep, you mentioned that. I'm talking about the... Oh, the Today is a the Good Day? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one just came out in May. Today is a Good Day, 90 Promises from God 
to start your day off right. And that originated during that time about 10 years ago that I was telling you about when I was so sick. Mm. I was so depressed, so sick, could do nothing but sleep, pray, watch sermons online and listen to praise and worship music. Mm -hmm. And one night a friend called right, right before I was supposed to have surgery the next day and she said, I know that you know this already. And I knew her heart. And she said, I just want to remind you that although weeping may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Mm. Now, mind you, I'd had plenty of people put Bible verse band-aids on me mm -hmm. during that time. And mm -hmm. they were not helpful. But I knew her heart. Right. And that verse resonated. And so I needed to encourage myself. Scripture says David encouraged himself. So I wrote my very first social media, Today is a Good Day post, and said, Today is a good day because God's joy comes in the morning. And it resonated with people. A couple weeks later, I needed another one. So I wrote, today is a good day because his mercies are new every day. And a few weeks later, I wrote another one. And over time, this was not my plan, was not my intent. But over time, it became a daily six-year ministry on Facebook and Instagram. Today is a good day because. And then Ravel came to me and said, we're people are resonating with these posts. People need a reason to believe that today can still be a good day despite how they feel, despite their circumstances. Would you consider expanding on your daily posts, write all new ones, but expand on it and write a devotional? And I didn't even have to think about that one. I was like, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And music ministered to me so much during that time when I was so sick because if I'm being honest with you, Matt, I didn't feel like praising God. Mm -hmm. my, my circumstances were horrible. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like praising him. But I had praise and worship music playing almost 24-7. When I was in the hospital, it was playing. I would have nurses come in and go, I don't know why it's so peaceful in here, but we just like coming in your room. Well, it's the praise and worship music. And I was playing it in that room where I was convalescing. Wow. And it made such a difference to me because when I didn't feel like praising God, with the praise and worship music playing, I would either hum or sing along. So I did end up praising God. Yes. And scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. And I knew that if I would praise God, even when I didn't feel like it, it would make the enemy mad and it would make him flee. And so every book I've written, I've put in a today, um, recommended playlist song of music to go with the chapter or in this book, Today is a Good Day, there's a recommended playlist song every single day. And then my readers can go to Spotify and get the whole list of all 90 cool. songs in one place for them. That is awesome. So the guy I just interviewed right before you is a guy named Paul Gaumer, and he suffers from bipolar, he called it bipolar two, which is more the depressive side of bipolar yeah. versus the manic side, right. which is bipolar one. Right. This yeah. is all new yeah. to me, so I'm, I think I'm saying it right. That's what he told me, I think. You can check the tape, <laughs> I guess. Um, and we talked about, you know, how it's become more acceptable to talk about this stuff openly, mental health issues, which I think is good. It's very good. Within the body of Christ and kind of like uh, taking the stranglehold that Satan has in the darkness yes. and at least loosening it by bringing it into the light. Yes. Um, talk about that if there's anyone who's struggling with any kind of mental issues or issues that you treat uh how important is it for them to just come out and be open with that i think you have to i think you have to be very careful because i do think 
we need to be a little bit more forthcoming and share our struggles because I really do believe twofold. One, I really do believe it weakens the enemy's hold on us when we will bring those secrets that we might think are embarrassing out into the open. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think that we should necessarily air it to everybody. Okay. We need to find a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest issues that I see, I, I think it's so good that mental health is getting more attention, that we are becoming more aware of the struggles that people have. Just like I think it's beautiful when people can get to the place where they no longer feel guilt, shame, and condemnation, but they can admit to they've had a divorce or they've had an affair or they had an abortion, Mm -hmm. sin is sin. Mm -hmm. But what I want your listeners to hear is that if they are struggling with a mental health issue, first of all, it's not your fault. Mm. You have an enemy. John 10.10 says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Mm -hmm. But I also want your listeners to know, but that's not the end of the story because Jesus said, but I have come Mm. that they might have life and have it to the full. Amen. So it's not your fault, but you do have to be an active participant in your healing. God can heal anyone, any second, any way he wants to. But so often, I think we would miss out on a big part of the blessing of healing if he just snapped his fingers. Mm -hmm. But when we participate in that work, whether it's reading our Bible or getting in Bible study or being part of an accountability group or going to church or whatever, we have a role to play. And then I think the blessing of whatever that healing looks like is richer mm. because we experience God in a richer and newer way when we partner mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, that's well said. Amen. Um, we talked in, in my previous interview, we talked about um, faith being driven by feelings or facts. And you're nodding along, like, just go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Well, what I spend a career teaching people is that there is a difference between facts and truth. The fact is, I have a cancer diagnosis today, mm-hmm. but the truth is God is my healer. Yeah. The fact might be, you don't know how you're going to end up making that bank account last through the end of the month. That's a fact. But the truth is, God is your provider. Yeah. And where we go wrong is we focus so much on the facts but then we forget what God's ultimate truth is Mm -hmm. and God doesn't change so by knowing God's character we can rely on his truth Mm. that was the mindset behind writing the book today is a good day because I have patients all the time where their day seems to be dictated by how they feel that day or by their circumstances. And mine certainly was when I was so sick. Mm -hmm. I learned a valuable lesson and that is, is that despite how you feel, despite what you might be going through, you can in fact still have a good day when you are resting and believing and trusting God's promises. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily take the pain away. Right. But it's still a good day because God is still good. God is still faithful. God is still trustworthy. God is still your comforter. God is still your peace. So we get so focused on how we feel or on the facts of our situation where our focus needs to be on the character of God and what he has already promised us. Yeah, man, I love that. I I love that. 
and and what you're saying is predicated on knowing our Bibles. It is. Because you're not going to know the character of God by just going to church no. and listening to a sermon once in a while. The only way you can know the character of God or the only way you can know those truths that impact those facts is if you know your Bible. And, and we've done this, I think I just mentioned our Daily Dose Devotions uh, podcast. Did I on, in this interview? We do. I think right before. We do a bunch of, uh, a Bible overview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what I've said in, in what interview, but but one of the main reasons we're doing that is because biblical illiteracy is epidemic oh, among is. people who call themselves Christians. And and I was one of them. Yeah, I mean, I remember looking at popular Christian speakers, and the word of God would just roll off their tongue, and they seemed so joyful. And I remember Matt sitting in a conference saying, "God, I want that." But I heard the lie of the enemy. As soon as I said, I want that, I heard the whisper, but that's too much work. Yeah. It was when I got so sick, though, I would be listening to sermons. Friends would text me a verse, however, and I would write it down on a post-it note. And I would put that post-it note up and someplace that I would see it. Sometimes they were on my IV pole, my light switch, my dashboard, on my car, my bathroom mirror. But what I did was every time I saw one of those, I recited it out loud three times. Oh, and wow. the reason is because scripture says faith comes by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of yeah. God. So I was not only reading it, I was speaking it out loud. And by doing it three times, it started to get in me. Love it. So that now other people will say, God's word just rolls off your tongue. Yeah. And I can say, but it didn't always. Right. Start small, start with those post-it notes. Totally. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. And the enemy wants you to think it is. Totally. I mean, my story is I, I can't sit down and stay focused. And I don't, I'm not real structured. My wife is pretty structured, praise the Lord, because that keeps us on That's the tracks. Balance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm this ministry guy and preacher. And man, I, I wasn't in the Word every day. And then I start this job running this ministry in 2020. And we need to update it because it's a radio ministry that's been around for 86 years. We're on the air, but we need to add some other stuff using new mediums. So Lord puts in my head, we're going to do a couple podcasts. And one of them is going to be a Bible overview, and you're going to do it. And I'm like, well, that sounds cool, podcast, whatever. And you're in about day 150 of a Bible overview, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is not for anyone who's listening. This is for me. Yeah. Because... Um, I mean, I've been in, in the Word basically daily now for two and a half years, and I mean, it just, it changes you, and it does start to roll it off does. your tongue, and even more important than roll off your tongue, shape your thoughts. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, um, what you were talking about, knowing the character of God, or knowing the truth of God's Word to apply to a situation, uh, people need to be in God's Word, which goes back to what you were saying about finding a uh, a therapist that is going to apply God's word to the spiritual root right. rather than just some kind of worldly treatments. Right. And not to say that they have no value. They do in the proper order, right? Right, yes. Uh, so that's just good stuff that I hope people are picking up on as they listen to you talk about all this stuff. Um, what? What is your... Are you going to continue to be a 
neuropsychologist in practice? Not in practice, because he's really shown me that I can impact more lives for the kingdom by writing and speaking. You know, I can see one patient for eight hours over the course of the day, yeah. or I can write books and speak and do the podcast and impact across the world. Mm -hmm. That's great. So uh, w this is a totally insider question, but what, what have you learned by podcasting in terms of nuts and bolts, rhythm? How many do you do? Do you do it every day? No, no. I have a new episode that drops every week. Okay. Um, Man, I wish I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make it so that I could be consistent. Yeah. So any more frequent than that, and I knew it wouldn't happen. You know, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that you need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. You need to be organized. You need to have a plan. And then you need to say, Holy Spirit, you take over. Yes. I can be very structured and have all my questions, but the best interviews are when there's just a flow of the Holy Spirit and you go with it because mm -hmm. he knows what the audience needs. Now, I know what I would think if somebody asked me this question, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot. It's not a great question that you want to answer because you want to say that every one of your guests and every one of your interviews were equally great and, and that's all fine and good. But once in a while, do you you kind of go through an interview and you're like, you know what, that one's just not probably going to be as good as some other ones. Two things about that. One is I've found that the Lord surprises me because I'll get feedback yeah. from interviews that I wouldn't have thought people were impacted by. That is so the truth. Right. That whenever I come out after recording a podcast, my husband will go, well, how did it go? Yeah. Was this a good one or was this a so-so <laughs> one? And, and I always tell them my feedback, but you're absolutely right because there have been times when I thought, Oh my word, I'm not even sure I can salvage that. But then I'll get an email or I'll get a Facebook message saying, that was just what I needed. But if somebody's going to jump into your podcast and check it out, uh -huh. you know, if somebody asks me which one or two or three episodes should they try as an entry point, because that'll kind of give them a great interview and uh, kind of maybe get them in the door, what, what would you point them to? One of my favorite interviews was with author Trisha Goyer. She wrote The Grumble Free Year. She has adopted many children. She, her grandmother lives with her and she learned over the course of a year how to help teach her children not to grumble and complain. Wow. It impacted me as a neuropsychologist. I thought, I need to work on that. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, but we, we also, we've had interviews with people who have overcome the shame of their past abortion. Mm. Um, some of the most popular interviews, though, were really more mental health related, like how to help a depressed loved one. Because so many people want to help, but they don't know what to say, or they don't know what to do, or they don't know what not to say or not to do. And so that's probably our all-time most popular episode is how to help a depressed loved one. Wow. So go check that out. Where, where can people find your podcast? Um, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. And what's it Google called? Play, your Hope-Filled Perspective. Awesome. So check that out. So um, I was just talking with my previous guest as well about the spiritual components of mental health. So one thing that's been staggering to me reading through the New Testament doing this Bible overview is how many times physical ailments are attributed to demonic possession or demonic oppression and some mental ailments. And so I would be hesitant 
to ascribe every physical or every mental ailment to demonic oppression. I, I coach basketball, kid blows his ankle out. It, that wasn't Satan. He, right. he fell on a guy's right. ankle. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing with mental health issues. Absolutely. You can't just say all of it's, could it be Satan? You know, back like the, the Saturday Night right. Live skit. Right. It's not always Satan. But I think it's Satan more times than we give credit for. I don't know. What, what do you think about all that? I, I think you're right. But I think the key is that Satan impacts our thought life. And when we don't stay vigilant to pay attention to the thoughts that we are having, we readily accept a lot of the thoughts that he gives us. You know, oh, I'm just so stupid or nobody likes me. I'll never get a job. It, those are not always from Satan, but he knows where our vulnerabilities mm, are. Mm -hmm. And when we don't stay alert and sober and really stop in the moment and say, where did that thought come from? Does that line up with what God says or not? That's where I think we can start to free fall and things will get worse because as we start to accept those lies from him, it gets easier to accept more and more and more. And the, the deeper you fall into a pit, the longer it takes to get out. Mm. And so I do think he does influence us, but God has already given us the tools to be able to help come against that. Mm -hmm. I just think that's another area where as a church, we're not teaching that mm. enough. Mm -hmm. And again, that takes unpacking scripture. It really does, it really does. But, but I do wanna say, I have a lot of, I've come across a lot of people who want to blame the church because their pastor doesn't know how to help them get over depression mm. or anxiety. I understand because we want to look at our spiritual leaders as, as our helpers and healers and part of that equation. But on the other hand, they were not trained to do that. They were trained to preach the gospel mm. and disciple. So you would no more expect your pastor to come over and fix your clogged toilet yeah. without training as a plumber. So it really bothers me that we put this undue burden on pastors mm. to be the be all to end all for all mental health issues. Mm -hmm. I would like pastors to be aware enough to know when to refer somebody out for appropriate help, mm -hmm. but I'm not looking at them to be the mental health healers. Mm -hmm. Is mental health and mental health issues increasing or are we becoming more aware of it? And the thought that just flashed through my mind was, what do they do in the New Testament for mental health? I mean, you would assume it was a thing back then. Sure. At least to a degree. Yeah. Um, I mean. It's twofold. We have definitely seen an increase. Before I wrote my book, um, Hope Prevails, about depression, I knew by the year 2020, depression was going to be our greatest epidemic worldwide. What? Why is that? In part, I think it's it's the foods we eat, it's the toxins in the air, it's the thoughts that have gone unchecked. So there's a lot of different reasons. Um, but even though we've seen an increase, I also believe simultaneously we are getting better at diagnosing early. We are hopefully, hopefully making it a safer place for people to come get help without guilt, shame, condemnation. Mm -hmm. You talked about Satan 
uh, putting bad messages in our minds as kind of the maybe entry point yeah. toward mental health issues. Um, take an issue like bipolar, which, you know, is chemical. Is there a spiritual component to that or no? Yes, in that our response to it. There are chemical imbalances, but how we respond can either help or hinder. And so it's so easy for individuals who are struggling with depression or, or bipolar, then as they realize what they're struggling with, to speak over themselves lies like, well, I guess I'll just always be this way. Mm -hmm. Well, not if you believe God can and wants to heal you. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everyone's gonna be healed this side of heaven. I'm waiting for my own healing. Mm -hmm. But when we speak those things, that gives the enemy a legal right to come in and go, yep, you're always going to be that way. Mm -hmm. And let me show you in this next scenario how, see, you're like that again. I guess you're always going to be that way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's play this out for the next 20 years or however much longer you're doing ministry. And, and how do you want it to play out? What's your dream situation from here out for you? I really want to spread the message worldwide the importance of knowing our true identity in Christ and learning what it means to take every thought captive mm. because that's where our battle is. And God says to do that. And I will be so honest, when I was sick and I was depressed and I was learning how important it was to take my thoughts captive, there were days that I remember saying, God, this is just too hard. I don't think I could do it today. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it perfectly. I still don't do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. But over time, I realized the value of taking the time to assess where are our thoughts coming from and do they agree with God or not. After I had learned some of that, I was preparing for a speaking engagement. I'm not very tech savvy. I do have a podcast, but I'm not very tech savvy. <laughs> and so I needed some slides prepared and a friend was going to do them. And she said, well, what is it you want to communicate? And I was sitting at my laptop at the dining room table and just said, I don't know. I'm just so stupid. Well, at that time, my son was 12 years old and he looked at me and he said, only if you receive that, mom. That's not what God says. I'm telling you, once I learned this and started using it in my practice, it changed how I parented. Mm. It changed how I was a wife to my husband because now I realize the importance of our thoughts and our words. Mm. Our thoughts and our words can produce blessing or cursing, mm. life or death. It's it in the really Bible. is yeah. in the power of the tongue. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's something that I think in general I have poo-pooed or overlooked it's, my wife talks like this and you know it's kind of like okay okay I got it you know <laughs> but but that's powerful man that's powerful um, I had one more question and I'm I'm missing it but uh, this has been really really good and it's Michelle Bankson today is gonna be a good day and give us the other, the, the anxiety one and the depression one. That sounds like a pair of books that somebody might want to order together. They really are. Yeah. So yeah. The, hit those one more time. The first book is Hope Prevails, Insights from a Doctor's Personal Journey. I remember journey what I was going to ask you. Go ahead. Hope Prevails Bible Study mm -hmm. and Breaking Anxiety Script, How to Reclaim the Peace God Promises. Are you healed of anxiety and depression? How, how would you describe that? I would say... The enemy always knows where our weak point is. 
Mm -hmm. So the enemy still likes to try to get me to go down those paths again, mm -hmm. but I'm so much quicker at going, wait a minute, wait, 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 no, that, no, that's not even what God says. God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. I am standing on that power that God has given me. I'm, I'm using the mind of Christ, my sound mind. So I wouldn't say cured, but I would say the enemy always knows where we're weak. Mm. So we've got to stay vigilant mm -hmm. in that area because that's where he's going to try to come back first. And the last thing I was going to ask was, what would you say to somebody who's a little bit more in the throes of this battle uh, and wondering, how am I going to ever get through this? I mean, maybe not laying in a hospital bed at 74 pounds or whatever, yeah. but just kind of, I, I know several people who struggle with depression and anxiety and they have for a while and it doesn't feel like it's getting better they love jesus they want to live as a christian they want to be free um what kind of encouragement do you offer pick up some good solid resources but more than that when you're in those throes ask god to reveal himself to you in a new way so that you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt he's walking with you through it so often our pain points as god heals us over time those become our areas of greatest ministry totally and he wants healing for you that is his desire for you i love it michelle thank you for your time i hope you have a great conference hope those books do great thank you and maybe we'll see you next year when you're that would be promoting awesome. your next book yeah. will you be at nrb in orlando you know, I might because my pilot son flies out of Orlando, so that would give me a good excuse to get down there and see that. I like that. All right. Thank you so much. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.